0: We are at war, not an operation, not rounds, but at war.
1: The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds well, on favorites if you look at the polling still Trump versus Biden?
0: That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis?
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny.
0: Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program, fellas. I'll be frank with you. I would love nothing more than to have a lighthearted Fun episode again. We did kind of a serious episode at the end of last week, and I feel like our best stuff is making fun of each other, making fun of all of our politics, and you know, generally having a good time. But it's hard to do that with the backdrop of what's been going on in Israel over the last weekend. Uh, the state that we find our country in, both in response to what's happening and just sort of generally, eh. yeah. I mean, it's it's
2: it's a very tough time. I think, like you said, those those two joined ideas of the horror of the massacre, which takes place in Israel, followed by seeing the horror of the response among essentially the left in the United States, where you saw rallies in support of the terrorist attack in every major city in the United States. Yeah. And you got Joe Biden out there calling a lid, you know,
1: by noon uh, on on Monday. Uh, and you, you get this sense that like, we're sort of listless as a country. Like you don't feel like we're in a position where we have leadership that can answer clearly Mm -hmm. to what America should do. And I mean, that's the most troubling thing for me is i feel like our country itself is in a really bad state as well
0: yeah. Well,
3: joe biden and kamala harris are projecting anything but strength um, but it's certainly hard to imagine a more sobering progression of events from what we saw for this entire weekend i mean you guys all woke up to the same thing that i woke up to on saturday morning these videos starting to trickle out of israel of these attacks over this over the southern border and it just kept getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse every single video that came out about the barbaric savagery from Hamas and their terrorists you know it is it's one of the worst things that i think we've ever seen on social media yeah. mm-hmm. what's played out in the south of israel over the weekend
2: it's i mean, i was seeing some specifics uh that cable news was covering they didn't show the details of it but across israel there are essentially these like uh, concrete shelters that have to be readily available for the public because they're so frequently under rocket fire that, hey, it's, it's I'd say just like, you know, a 10 person phone booth, except it's made out of concrete, essentially. So any moment, if a rocket attack happens, you pull over the car, you run in there, you take cover. And Hamas, knowing this apparently would drive their trucks up to there, find the 10 or 12 people huddling in there and just shoot all of them, yeah. which is just, I mean, horrific just the, the, just staggering inhumanity that you can just eye to eye with kids and families and just kill them all yeah
1: what did it for me was um watching video from a music festival in Israel for peace music festival for peace and there's video from people's mobile phones as terrorists in you know gliders yeah. come in with guns to murder them like Think about that. Nightmare. Nightmare. Well, dude, the whole thing
3: was awful. I mean, there was an old woman who was living in a kibbutz near this near the southern border in Gaza, and these terrorists broke into her house, took her iPhone, and used her iPhone to film them murdering her, and then uploaded her murder to her Facebook account. Jeez. Think Which about that. is how that. her
0: family finds out. You know, I think, look, there's always been evil in this world, and for anybody who over the last few years has lost sight of the fact that Hamas is a terrorist murder organization, and you're obviously reminded of that. Uh, But it feels like in years gone by, we always felt some comfort in knowing that the United States was always clear-eyed about how to respond to things like this. And that we always had, despite our differences over domestic policy and all kinds of things, that we were basically mobilized to support not only Americans abroad, which in this case we've got at least nine Americans that were killed in this attack by Hamas, but also our allies like Israel, knowing that it's a it's been a beachhead for freedom in the Middle East in a pretty difficult territory and there are groups like Hamas and Hezbollah are funded by Iran um, that that seek to do damage to our allies in the United States every day and we felt like, you always had that, you know, post Reagan sense about this country, where if anything was put up against the United States or our, our allies, that you were going to get a hell of a response. Yeah, and, and I, I don't, I don't have any, any confidence in the world that we're there now. And part of that is what you guys said earlier. If we want to just flip up on the screen, still number one, the White House, as all this stuff is going down um this is monday monday they send out a pool report saying that this dude is calling a lid before noon before noon and then they then they say as this is going on in saturday they were having a barbecue
2: yeah i mean that's uh, it's absolutely horrific
0: at that, the white house the
2: fact that this is after the administration has learned that Americans have been killed and an unknown number. They've confirmed that Americans have been taken hostage by by Hamas and taken back to Gaza. After learning this, this administration has a party.
0: I mean, I, I just
2: there was a time when when presidents would be called on by the by the media, by both parties to resign if they did something that incredibly Beyond insensitive, but just—it's un-American. Well, it's also, dude, just cancel the fucking staff party. Get your
3: head in the game. The world is on the brink of war. We're talking about not just the south of Israel, but the breaking news as we're talking right now is that— they, that they're evacuating northern Israel because Hezbollah is firing rockets into the north, and so there may be war with Lebanon. So they, Israel is on the front of a potential two-front war. There is a carrier strike group that is headed to the Mediterranean. That means that Americans are headed into harm's way in one fashion or another. And Joe Biden is hosting a barbecue? Like, get out of here. Yeah. He's too old. He's not fit to be president. His vice president is not smart enough to be vice president. Mm-hmm. Or president. Well, she, the we only thing we heard from her
0: was sending out statements on uh, Dude, indigenous people.
3: She, she sent out some tweet on the indigenous people day, and it's like, earth to fucking moron. Get your head in the game. <laughs> yeah. The world is burning. Do something. You know what I mean? Like
2: Americans we, have been killed and taken hostage.
3: We're in a country of 330 million people. We may not agree with every single one of them, but there is certainly somebody smarter and better equipped to run this place than either of them.
0: And that's part of the part of what frustrates me about this is because we watched all the bullshit last week in the House of Representatives. You know, based on the last year and a half, but really emphasized this weekend on the barbecue and calling a lid for the president at noon on a Monday. While all this is going on, you know you are not going to get leadership out of this White House. You know you are not going to do it. You know the back re- the, the the track record of Afghanistan and what happened there, and there are seemingly indifference to Americans being trapped in an incredibly impossible situation. Their indifference to allies in the, in the war on terror being put in a, a place of potential execution. They're giving over American treasure and hard-fought land, uh, including weapons that may or may not have been used against the Israelis here, all in the context of Afghanistan. We know that they're not capable of doing this. Yeah. Well, there, we there know were, that. There but, were
2: reports coming out this weekend of Hamas people uploading video of them using weapons that had been left behind in Afghanistan.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but then you take the back of last week and you see the house of representatives throwing out McCarthy, uh, over a, a continuing resolution. Can you imagine? And McCarthy brought this up in a press conference that he did Monday, which I thought he did a pretty nice job of ironing in how small that effort was in comparison to the global events. Of the, of the weekend, but can you imagine if the government was actually closed? Can you imagine if we, we didn't actually have funding for our, our men and women in uniform who potentially could be in harm's way, as you suggested, John? I, 50-50 it, proposition. It, it's the stupid bullshit that if you are an enemy of the American people, but more globally, an enemy of freedom and Western civilization, this is a perfect time to hit. This is the perfect time to hit because what confidence could you possibly have in the United States having cogent responses to what's happening right now? And then, sure enough, forty-eight hours later, here we are. We're still sitting here. The president. Uh, how is it that Joe Biden has not gotten behind the 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 desk and done some kind of that is stunning. explanation? That's stunning yeah. as to what it is that people are seeing on their TV, right?
2: America's been I mean, murdered I- and taken hostage and you're you're 100% right every other president would have had would have called the station and said I need some time I, I think- need some TV time I'm going to talk to the American people directly and he instead throws a party
3: the two possible explanations for why he hasn't gone behind the podium one he's incapable physically incapable of doing it and delivering a message forcefully that the world will respect two Democrats are conflicted on Hamas. That's right. Yeah. Obama hasn't released a statement. Bill Clinton hasn't released a statement. How can you, ha- you
0: be conflicted on Hamas? I don't understand. Like Conceptually, I have wrapped my mind around the insanity of the left. I understand <clears throat> things I shouldn't be able to understand about their perverse world ideology. I will never, under any circumstances, be in, begin to understand how it is you could be conflicted about something like well,
2: that. Well, because so these like, you know, I, I've talked about these Ivy League fail sons refuse to acknowledge the Iran deal was a mistake. These people will never acknowledge they made a mistake because like, oh, I'm so smart. I'm so You're, smart. Everyone always told me I get a gold star on my paper. I'm the smartest kid. So so they can't in their brains conceive I could be wrong. The Iran deal was a bad idea when Obama did it, and we saw it resulted in in, in mayhem. And then Joe Biden, when he's running, says, the first thing I'm going to commit to do is bring back the Iran deal. And then you see it right and they just in front un- of you. And
1: they just unfroze, what, $6 billion right. in cash
0: for the Iranians? Mm-hmm. And remember, the first Iran deal, which happened during the Obama administration, was it, it tantamount to us literally just delivering pallets of cash literally. to Iran— with some sort of like a wink and nod deal that they wouldn't continue to develop nuclear weapons, and they were like, "Great work, guys! Everybody, we've really done." And it was it was immediately extremely controversial, and of course, Trump rightly reversed ourselves out of that. But you're right; from day one, the Biden administration wanted to get back in this, and what's happened over the last few weeks is they did get back in this, and. If we can play clip two, Wolf, let's just set the table on this deal. You insist the Iranian regime won't touch the $6 billion
1: of Iranian funds being unfrozen. But isn't it true that this frees Tehran up to spend more on other nefarious goals like supporting terrorism and boosting its nuclear program?
0: Well, to the degree that they continue destabilizing
2: activities, and, and it's you know I can't predict what they'll do going forward here, uh, but we
0: are already. Uh, have pressure in place on on Iran, both through sanctions and through our military presence in the Gulf region. We won't hesitate to take additional actions as we see further destabilizing activity by. I mean, you see how impossible it is for them to try to defend their foreign policy in the current environment, that what they've basically done again is send a bunch of money to Iran to for a hostage negotiation. We learned a long time ago you don't negotiate with terrorists because it turns out that terrorists take those negotiations and then capture more American assets and ask for more things.
1: And they used it to fund proxy wars across the Middle East and fund Hezbollah, fund Hamas, fund rebels in Yemen. And then, you know, on Monday, uh, Iran is talking about how they're going to use all these assets to attack Israel. And it's like, well, Obama did that. Like Biden did that. They you know? That. So it's not even just like indifference, you know, Holmes, you'd said like basically indifference to our allies. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the people that are running Joe Biden's foreign policy as smug often says like the C C team from the Obama days of like the same worldview of how to deal with Iran as a counterbalance to Saudi Arabia. And I think what you're seeing here is the fruits of all of that work. They've strengthened Iran. They gave them all this money and now they're a threat to Israel. But like, Obama's been un- undermined Israel when he was president of the United States. You know, <laughs> literally. I mean, like his he, team he went over there to... in 2015 to try to unseat him. A lot of people, if you're listening to this, you may not remember this, but like Barack Obama and the Democrats did in Israel in 2015 what they all claimed Russia did in the 2016 election. Yes, mm-hmm. they through the State Department spent all of this money through this nonprofit, like uh, I think it was called One Voice. Yeah to register voters and then they laundered all that voter file data to basically this super PAC called V15 that was run by Jeremy Byrd, Obama's campaign manager, to try to unseat Netanyahu, unseat an
0: ally. Yeah. And it's like with friends like these. Oh, yeah, totally. But but the, the, the whole the whole thing is just completely back ass words. And now you begin to understand why it is that such an atrocity can happen live on your television set and yet there is zero leadership coming from the Democratic Party or this Democratic president of the United States because they're inherently conflicted on all of this. Let's play clip three. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So
2: Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that
1: happened. Iran Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism on supporting groups like uh, like Hamas uh, and it's done that when there've been sanctions it's done that when there haven't been sanctions and it's always prioritized that and again i come back to the proposition that from these funds have always been under the law available to iran to use for humanitarian purposes
0: so why the fuck would you give them the money yeah why would you give them the money why would you do it? I mean, this is just like, I, I feel like I'm losing my, oh, it's always been the case. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No. We sent $6 billion over. No, it's a good chance that it actually goes into fund terror and, and actually attack our allies. Oh, no, no. I guess there's nothing we can do. Oh, throw up our hands. Yeah. Ah.
2: And, and, and again, like what a contrast. You've got uh, Obama and Biden administrations on the same page, basically, of coddling Iran. Yeah. You've got Trump in the middle and you have the prime example of Iran- Uh, through Qasem Soleimani, who they're funding his efforts to go straight up, just kill Americans, roadside bombs, wherever Americans are in Iraq, especially he was so many American soldiers are dead as responsible of uh, 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 as a direct result of what Qasem Soleimani and Iran were doing. And Trump turns the dude into salsa. He hits him in an airstrike. And then, you know, we were told by the media, we were told by the Democrats, oh, God, here's how World War Three starts.
0: No, it turns nope. out they just shut the fuck up. Bingo. And yeah. that's th- and that's what happens. That's what America used to be in the world. That's why the rest of our allies across- and our enemies uh, used to look at the United States and say, like, look, we hate everything about them. But like, let's be a little careful about how far we go on some of these things, because you never really know if they're going to get engaged. And if they do get engaged, we got a big problem here. I think they're looking at the world right now and they're saying, I don't really I don't think they're going to do anything. But it's not just the world
3: they're looking at. Look at what's happened under Obama's administration or excuse me, under Biden's administration as in terms of immigration. Everything that we are seeing overseas can happen here in America. We saw over the weekend. All of the terrorist sympathizers who were out in New York and other cities around the country to rally in support of the murders of these Jewish of these Jewish families. And there were like the front of let's put
0: up still number two that that, this is what you're about to talk.
3: Yeah, the front page of the New York Post this morning has a picture from one of these rallies where they're literally holding a Nazi symbol and they're chanting death to Jews. They're not asking for a two-state solution, right? Right. They're not
1: asking for peace in the Middle East. right? When they say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, they actually just mean the eradication of Jews in Israel. That's that's what what they mean. That's That's what what they they mean.
3: They just hate Jews. And so what we've seen over the course of the Biden administration is an influx of people from the southern border who are not just— Guatemalans and Mexicans trying to find a better life working on farms you have people who have actually been discovered who are marked by our security authorities as potential terror targets people from all over the world are working their way up and and we know if if they're out at if they're out at a rally in new york they're in communities all across the country ready to move on
1: a moment's notice let's let's play Clip five, while we're talking about it, because this is from that rally in New York. There was some sort of rave or desert party where they were having a great time until the resistance came
2: in electrified hang gliders and took at least several dozen hipsters. They're, yeah.
3: che- they're, they're literally cheering the death of people who are just at some concert. A, a
1: music festival for peace. Again, I stress
3: and, for and, peace. And
2: yeah. and to remind folks, there's Americans who are murdered. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, it's just freedom fighters going after some hipsters. Like the resistance. And and that's part and parcel. The left.
3: But that speech to... was not that speech was not in Tel Aviv. that speech nope. was not in London. That speech was in, in New, York, New City. York City.
2: New York City. And yeah. that's the thing, is the left they want to minimize the humanity of their enemies which is how they enable themselves to be like we're justified to spend the summer of 2020 burning businesses to yeah. the ground we're justified in burning down police stations you know we're justified in demanding we defund the police now they're saying we're justified this is this is you know decolonized right
1: this is the slippery slope where they start and they're like well property crime isn't violence yeah. and burning down a you know police station that's that's not violence this is the you know, protest is uh, is it's what oppressed people do. And you can see a direct through line from that logic to what we see now. Yeah.
3: It's OK to murder Jews because yeah. we call them colonialists. Yep, Right. It's OK to murder Americans because we call them the same thing. That's it. They're justifying fucking murder. That's it. Yeah. These people need to be understood. We cannot. T- we have to take them seriously. Well, it is, we have to shut down. The border. it's the we creeping
0: get... influence of the far left. I mean, you hear this sort of rhetoric from Rashida Tlaib from Milan Omar. From but that's the thing. It's not
2: the far left. They're in Congress now.
0: Yeah, well, not only they're in Congress, but they're setting the agenda of this administration mm-hmm. and the Democratic Party n- nationwide. And they try to pretend, you know, like the Nancy Pelosi's of the of the world, try to pretend like they've got this locked up. Like, they're not going to allow this to go too far. Of course, it's part of the constituency. We kind of play nice with it. But, you know, we're, 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 we're going to keep a monitor on all of this. Well, as you can see from these protests, it ain't locked up. And from the from the election of people like Rashida Tlaib mm-hmm. and Elon Mo- Omar, it's not locked up like this is the perversion of the left and what it has become in this country where you can open this entire discussion as if there is two sides of a story of a bunch of terrorists using hang gliders and machine guns to come in and murder innocent people to rape and kill innocent women throughout the country to kill elderly, to target children, mm. to do all these things. And they're like, yeah, but yeah, but right. let's look at the other side of that story. There is no, yeah, but like it is a time for absolute clarity. And we've done a good job as a country since our inception of having absolute clarity in moments like this. I'm very, very concerned yep. based upon the complete, hijacking of the left in this country by this element, that there is no clarity to be had here. And I worry a little bit about the only responsible party in this country, a Republican party, that just threw out a Speaker of the House last week, who now the House, by the way, can't do anything about it. The rules of the of the House, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is they have a Speaker pro tem that can't actually bring legislation to the floor, to the floor. A lot of debate whether they can even condemn what's happened in Israel without a Speaker of the House. This week, they're going to try to sort that out. God willing, I hope they do. But you think about that argument and how small that is in comparison to what we're dealing with here and the element that we're up against politically Mm -hmm. in this country. This is not a time for Republicans to fuck around with dumb people and dumb things and conspiracy theories and stupid bullshit. That throws us off our game. Somebody needs to protect the United States. Somebody needs to do the job. And right now, what we watched in the House of Representatives last week is incapable of doing the job. How how can you not make the case that we're damn close to a failed state right now? You have a president of the United States that literally can't go out and do a press conference about our most important ally in the world. You got a House of Representatives without a speaker. I mean, what? If you're an enemy, like, what do you think about that?
2: It's been, what, like three three days, and we haven't heard Joe Biden once say anything about Americans who have been killed and taken, er, taken hostage by terrorists. I, I think that's unprecedented in the history of this country. You've never had a situation where mm. you've had Americans murdered abroad and taken hostage, and now Hamas is threatening to execute them on live TV. Americans. And the president of the United States hasn't said a word. He threw a party. And then he called it a day before noon.
0: I, it's, it's just, it, it like literally. Yeah, I mean, it's heartbreaking. You, you can tell by our, I mean, look, we like to have a good time on this show. And believe me, we would much rather be laughing and having a, a good time than talking about stuff like this. But we're concerned.
3: We have, we have very good reason to be concerned. And just back one more time on the on the idea that everything that you're seeing happening over there can happen here. Mm-hmm. Think about the amount of tech That the Israelis have. Think about the F-35s and all the third generation everything that they can use to just pinpoint and destroy an enemy on a moment's notice. Well, these terrorists walked, rode in trucks, and hang glided across a border, where, you know, there are a lot of questions that are still being answered about where was the manpower on the Israeli southern border. Some people say that they had redeployed troops over to the West Bank and they just didn't have as much manpower. My point is borders are susceptible to, to these sorts of mm. weaknesses. And if we don't get our own American border under control and we don't get serious about the small things, all of the F thirty fives and Lockheed weapons systems in the world will not protect people who are vulnerable mm-hmm. to interpersonal combat. Well, we saw like that we
0: 9-11, saw. right? And I can't believe we have to reteach this lesson. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is just the world you live in. And if you keep fucking around and and focusing on unimportant stuff, you're gonna invite people who mean real harm to American citizens to do the worst. And that's that's what's happening here. But the, the thing that you guys brought up that just like sticks with me is this unwillingness to sort of mention the fact that Iran has funded all of these things. Mm-hmm. It seems, it has to be purposeful, right? I mean, they're so committed to these deals with Iran that it just, it, they block out the sun in terms of what's happening. And if you could play, well, if, if you can play uh, clip four, this is Jake Sullivan with just the most unbelievable quote. What we said is we want to depressurize, de-escalate, and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. The war in Yemen is in its 19-month of truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now, because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Well, if you had absolutely zero intelligence capabilities whatsoever, I could see how you could make that mistake. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that you had a a crew of hundreds of people assembling hang gliders and, and weaponry and pulling it out of Afghanistan, if that's what happened, and nobody had any idea that any of this was about to happen. Seems quiet. Seems quiet. Maybe it's because they say that the greatest threat to the United States is climate change. Yeah. Right. Not people with <laughs> right. fucking AKs. Right. And I you know I, right. I, I, I really loved
2: the the kind of like cognitive dissonance when I saw a bunch of these journos saying how, how you know how did Israel let their border become so like open? Like don't they know that that's a very unsafe situation? Yeah. Like they're like shouldn't someone be held accountable that the border was able to be like penetrated? So it's well, let's take a look at the South of right the United States where also, the border is wide open and you folks have said that these you know we we have to welcome these people and the Statue of Liberty says we need an open border and we've been told that you're actually a, a racist if you believe that the southern border should be secured and we had the statistic come out where in the month of February this year alone we had more people on the terror watch list try to enter this country than we did in the previous four years that we had Donald Trump yeah. I mean that alone, should tell you, like you've been saying, Ashbrook, how dangerous this environment is. When you have an open border, it can happen here.
1: There's also this like reflex, reflexive urge from these folks on the left to sort of preempt um, the discussion with blaming Israel itself. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, it's totally. Like, yeah, that border looked pretty porous. Yeah. Oh boy. It's like, you know, how how short was Israel's skirt? You it, know, it's right. like let's blame the victim. No, you know?
0: I, I, I mean it's 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 true. Yeah, that is basically what they're trying to do here, and they're somehow this is this is Israel like Israel's done something here, like Iran to
2: provoke. The Wall Street Journal has evidence now that Iran is funded, uh, Iran funded and helped plan these attacks, Uh right, we, For Hamas to pull off, and meanwhile, the mainstream media is trying to be like, okay, so now we have evidence that Iran and Hamas. Working hand in hand to commit these terrorist attacks that killed Americans and hundreds of people, and how are we going to blame Israel for this? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about Israel. Must have been them who did it.
1: I, I worry about our ability to respond to stuff like this. Like you pointed out, Holmes, I'm less concerned with the Israeli people's resolve. Oh, you know? I,
0: I'm not. I'm not. Like people don't understand. They what, don't understand. No.
1: I. You know. I was they, over they there. Very,
0: very, very committed.
1: I was over there in 2015 for Netanyahu's campaign for that snap election. And I think what struck me most being there is like how the threat of violence just becomes part of life. And these people like just sort of persevere through it, you know? I mean, like there's a resolve that the Israeli people have in their land to preserve it and fight it and defend it. And it's just, it comes to you in the most simple ways where like, yeah, you go around the. you know, the old city in Jerusalem and like you're outside the church of the Holy Sepulcher and there's like bomb disposal devices That's mm-hmm. like, you're just sort of like tootling around, you know, taking tourist photos and Could stuff. never conceptualize. You can never that. conceptualize that really like living where we do. So I think as Americans, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't have that sense of it unless you've, you've been there where like you can be in central Tel Aviv and like you're in a Seven Eleven, like, you know, there's a, a 22 year old with like, an M4A1 carbine on his back, and like they're ready at any time, mm-hmm.
3: you know. And it's not just the 22 year olds. We were seeing stories online over the weekend of these guys, 60 and 70 years old, just driving their Toyota Echo or whatever the four door car they yeah. had down to the side of the road near the southern border, parking it on
1: the side of the road and joining. I, up. I saw the video of Naftali Bennett, a, a minister in the in the government, just reporting for reserve duty. Yeah, you know what I mean.
0: It's because it's existential. Yeah, and I think Netanyahu's done in really incredible job over the years of trying to educate the free world on the existential crisis that they face every day and understanding that the people who, you know, everybody thinks you can just sort of coexist with and we could figure out two state solutions if we talk nicely together and all these things, that the reality that they live under is that this is what we saw last weekend is an inevitability periodically. It, whenever they get an opportunity, they're going to take that opportunity. He's explained it. The Israeli people understand this endemically. Mm-hmm. Like, they live with that. And that is the part that I think is, I, I can't figure out why people don't wrap their head around that outside of that region. Yeah. I just don't get it. Because it seems to me like, how long do you need to watch before you understand that That's what they're going to do. And it's the most heinous stuff of all time. This isn't some territorial dispute. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about raping, killing children, murder. Mm -hmm. They're showing off while they're doing it. They're trying to make it as grotesque Mm -hmm. as possible to try to try to somehow show that they like want this more or something. And 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 there's only one way to deal with that.
2: That same grotesqueness. I saw videos from the rally in New York where you had some of those folks uh holding up their phones because you had uh, a bunch of folks counter-protesting in support of Israel and then you saw at the rally the folks who were supporting uh Hamas were holding up their phones and showing videos of families being killed to try and dunk on them
1: yeah like trolling them yeah yeah with the murder like that's of the
2: level of inhumanity yeah that that the left has breached in this guise of this is like decolonization and that this is just, you know, this is justice and equity in action. Let's just
3: mm. let us just I, I don't know um, if everybody listening is familiar with what this kibbutz life is like that you hear you're hearing a lot about how they rolled into these basically Israeli neighborhoods. And I, I've been to a kibbutz right on the Gaza border just a few years ago. And you could see from the edge of this neighborhood the fence that was separating Israel from Gaza and it was you know sort of a terrifying thought of how exactly how close gaza was and how close the potential terrorists were to these very very peaceful normal people They're who were just going around yeah. going around their daily life you know yeah. so you know in in these in these neighborhoods somebody is somebody is growing food for the for the community somebody is teaching the kids somebody works as a doctor somebody works fixing things around the neighborhood on the on the homes the small modest homes these are very peaceful people it's not like they have machine gun turrets sitting on the top of their houses yeah and so they were sitting ducks Mm -hmm. for these hamas terrorist cowards to roll in and just start spraying them with their their like their machine guns so like The idea that there is any courage involved in someone from Hamas rolling over a chain link fence and into a neighborhood is like the the, is is the most barbaric, murderous mindset. There's not two sides. It's it's evil. It is just evil.
0: It is just evil. And there's not two sides to the story. But again, I think. If we have one message to everybody who's listening to this, you can, you know, you look, you can say, look, this isn't happening in my neighborhood. And, you know, why do I care about this and everything else? Reality is, is that the world is a pretty dangerous place. And we found out time or two over the last 50 years that it can come to our shores in, in a hurry. And it's not being a neocon to suggest that you got to pay attention to America's influence in the world, because the second that it walks away, you get amazingly horrible things that happen. Somebody fills that void. Mm. And who's filling that void right now are a bunch of countries that either couldn't care less about humanity or have horrible intent for Western freedom. And without having a powerful, serious United States on the world stage, you're going to have more and more of this and do not. Do not think for one second that you are immune to it. It can come here. We learned that on 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't do much when they bombed the World Trade Center. We didn't do much when they bombed the Cobar Towers. We didn't do much when they hit the Marine barracks. We didn't do much when they took out the hotels and all of the sort of Western things across the Middle East. And then they flew planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And all of a sudden it became apparent to us because we lost lost loved ones that were directly connected to a whole bunch of us or across this, this country. Well, that's the thing, guys, is that they tell you exactly what it is that they want to do and they're doing it again right now. And unless you can figure out both as a nation, but as Republicans, as your own party to figure out how to be serious about this shit. And have a serious functioning political party and serious functioning American government, we're gonna have this. We're gonna have this come visit us sooner than later, and that ought to scare the shit out of everybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I got to go back to just uh, how appalled I was, and remain at the fact of how our, our president is completely silent while well, we've had Americans who were killed, Americans were kidnapped, and it wasn't that long ago. I remember when when we had Trump in the White House and ISIS. Took an American hostage. There's a SEAL team and a dog that chased the head of that organization until he was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's ISIS is gone. They were completely destroyed. Whereas they had almost completely taken Iraq when he had Barack Obama's foreign policy. This is Barack Obama's foreign policy part two. You embolden Iran and you stick your head in the sand. That's that's their whole plan essentially, and and hope for the best because all the Ivy League kids, I think they got the right idea. We're going to decolonize, you know, and this is this is what you get as a you, result you, of it. You got Americans har- have been murdered and taken hostage and our president does nothing.
1: You got all these student groups at, at Harvard and Columbia uh, putting out, um, you know, signing statements supporting Palestine and blaming all of the violence on Israel.
2: Yeah. yeah they yeah. were saying that uh, Hamas's actions are decolonizing 37 student organizations at Harvard. Right. And then I saw Larry Summers being like, I'm shocked. How could this happen? Dude, you were president of Harvard. That is a training camp for this kind of thought. Like academia is now lockstep with this idea of of this like neo-Marxist idea of I see every action in the world as oppressed versus oppressor. And uh, it's in my mind, it's essentially a civilization versus Mm anti-civilization argument. That's all they want is open border. They want chaos. They're like, oh, well, you know, burning businesses and houses and cities across an entire summer. Oh, th- th- they said, "Oh, the riot is just the voice of the unheard." You know, this is this is actually justice. That mindset had taken grip of the left for a while, and now you see all these shocked leftists that the chickens have come home to roost. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, I, I I live in New York, and and why is there a large gathering in Times Square celebrating this terrorist attack?
0: How could this have happened? I mean, no. but th- this is why you got to listen very closely to this presidential primary Mm. you know a lot of you may have made up your minds and president former president trump has got a huge lead in the polls he may very well be the nominee but you ought to listen because too often in recent years we've gotten sidetracked on stupid bullshit and stuff that ultimately is not going to make a difference in the overall life of the united uh, of people in the united states but also not going to make a big difference when it comes to just sort of global affairs and, and everything else this is serious shit like these are real serious existential questions, and you need people with leadership qualities to be able to put together the right solution to get us through these times. Mm-hmm. You really do. And you're every I say every ten years, we're reminded in one form or fashion how serious shit can get, right? I mean, it was COVID in 2020. You had the financial crisis in '08. You had 9/11. I mean, it's just it keep it once a decade. We're reminded that your freedom not only is not free, it's not guaranteed at all. And if you you stay focused on like what entertains you, and you stay focused on like what makes you laugh, or you know who put who in a cupboard, like that shit is fun, and we like to do it here on the program. But like you really do need a sense of seriousness when you're evaluating who you're gonna vote for here. Because this country with another term of Joe Biden, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. And I have real concerns mm-hmm. about where it is that we go from here. I really do. But on that note, we should probably talk about what's happening this week with the speakers thing. Because mm-hmm. I think it's—I think these are intertwined. You saw McCarthy on Monday with a big speech about what he would do uh, to address what's happening in Israel. I thought it was really well done. I thought, if nothing else, it really did minimize and, and make last week's events look so stupid but he had a a a, a kind of a good layout problem is is like none of that shit is achievable as long as the speaker of the house is vacant in the house now there's some conjecture about whether he would still want it or not despite the fact that he said he's not going to run for it next week i don't know what all that means all i know is that they're convening this week and this is according to cnn The battle to win the House speakership could hinge on the contingent of more moderate Republicans uneasy about the conservative politics of the two leading candidates and angry at the hardline faction for ousting Kevin McCarthy in last week's unprecedented floor vote. Behind the scenes, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana and House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio have been making a direct pitch to centrist members, both insisting they will make reelection battles a priority and ensure more stability atop a badly divided conference. Um all right, so it seems like it's this thing is winnowing down a little bit. Um are these the two? I mean, I, do we even know whether or not I you mean, know, presumably they're going to try to settle this Wednesday. Yeah. Uh are these the two candidates?
1: I don't know. I you know, Jim Jordan was endorsed by uh President Trump uh late last week and so you know i mean that's going to have a lot of sway i think in you know parts of the conference and scalise obviously was in leadership with mccarthy um and so he has a constituency as well i just what i am concerned about um and max miller who we had on last week sort of alluded mm. that to was a great interview by the way yeah thank you heard, yeah i mean heard was, a lot of rave great reviews he was uh he's a great guy uh, and it's just nice to see like a young guy in congress who who doesn't buy into all the bullshit yeah. you know um but what he had pointed out you know is like you can't end up in the same situation as mccarthy with this motion of a k of a single member or we're going to end up in this all over again yeah. sort of thing and i am concerned that in like a fight to win over the undecideds in the conference, you end up cutting a lot of the same deals that McCarthy did and you end up in the same position. That's my fear. And I think you guys mentioned that, you know, when we did that episode last week as mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that's very real. But you got to ask yourself at some level, if you're cutting deals like that, where you make a, a Republican speaker susceptible to seven or eight unhappy people at any one time. Uh, what's the difference? Why? Why does a House majority matter? Yeah, it doesn't because all you've done is allow for whatever Democratic priority become more significant. I mean, the only way that you get anything done at all is if you could do it with Democratic votes, which is not the way the House works. The majority is supposed to be able to unify and drive an agenda. Yeah. And it's therefore that's the leverage piece that you use against the Senate and the House to try to get conservative things done. And if you can't do that so much so that you can't even have one Person sit on top of the conference. My God. I mean, this is serious stuff we're dealing with. Here. Yeah. And I
1: think it's even more important with the, you know, the 2024 election coming up. Obviously, we talked a lot about the political implications of all of this for 2024, but I think people need to recognize, and we talked about this after the midterms, with redistricting the way that the new district lines are across the country, this is not the Tea Party map of 2010. Mm hmm like putting together a majority with 20 seats, 30 seats, 40 seats is going to be probably impossible if not extremely extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. it's just a different map and we're stuck with it for the next decade. And so like in building a majority coalition in the house, like we have to have that in our back of our minds at all times that like you maybe have to govern with a 10-seat majority yeah. or a 6-seat majority. Or where we find ourselves now, so whatever we do in this next, you know, speaker vote fight, we gotta realize if we don't solve this problem internally with like party unity, we're gonna be dealing with it for the inevitable
0: future. Yeah, I, there's no question about it, and there's nothing the press loves more than the internal food fight. I mean, I noticed uh, McCarthy's presser on Monday. Uh, which is about Israel and what the U.S. response to Israel should be, uh, the first four questions were all about the speakership race. Yeah. yeah. You know? it's,
3: it's going to be really interesting to see what comes of this House caucus meeting uh, or conference meeting today. Um, and, you know, Jordan seemed to be getting a lot of support over the weekend, a little quieter from uh, the Scalise camp but there's broad speculation that neither one of them is going to have an easy path to 218 votes mm-hmm. some some people say well now with all of the uncertainty uh in the middle east maybe that maybe that brings uh republicans together for sort of snapping uh snap unity um i guess we'll find out uh, later today and tomorrow when they have ultimately or are supposed to hold the internal vote so i I um I obviously it's a it's a very, very bad look. Uh, it, it Republicans look completely disorganized and I, I understand internal fights. I think conservatives deserve a, a, a bigger share of, of the pie but like we have to get it together. you know you, you you have to you have to operate and act like adults who are responsible with power, otherwise voters will not give it to you.
2: And I, mean, I think uh, okay. just quick I, I think it's no coincidence that the press. Those are like the first four questions that they ask, and the reason that so many Democrats have been allowed to get a pass on, uh, either putting out like the State Department put out multiple statements that get ratioed on Twitter because yeah. everyone's like, "Are you people insane?" <laughs> Being like calling, "We want a ceasefire." Yeah. But, but 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 the State Department saying they want a ceasefire and they get ratioed to hell. But the reason Democrats are allowed to be either silent or absent is because they can always try to point it like, well, they don't even have a speaker, guys. You know, like yeah. the the inability of good the conference point. to be united creates that excuse for for Joe Biden because it's not like you've got a Speaker of the House who's demanding that the president answer where the hell these American hostages are and how the hell are we getting them back? What's the plan? Because the American people deserve to know. We don't have a guy in the House who can do that for us right Yeah, I d- yeah. It's
0: such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because we all know – Your corporate media is going to be against conservative causes from soup to nuts. They just are. They're going to take the Democratic line. And that's just what it has been. You can whine about it. You can cry about it. Or you can kind of do something about it. And when they have the opportunity, like has been given to them here to talk about the House of Representatives and a lack of a speaker, they don't have to talk about the ulterior side of this. And the alternative is, like you said, you have a State Department that's sending out and deleting... Delete multiple times. American foreign policy yeah. on the internet. Oops, they goofed. You got like three different members of the administration that are sending out and then deleting official discussion of what this administration is going to do about a world event that's occurring in real time. The president is eating pudding. Right. Yeah. And you wonder why- or, or like, barbecues, having barbecue. having barbecue. You,
1: you, you <laughs> wonder why Russia and Iran and China see weakness in America right now and- And like, look, I mean, there's there's a reason why Russia didn't go into Ukraine when Donald Trump was president. Yeah. That they're not, you know, China wasn't saber rattling vis-a-vis Taiwan. And like Smug always says, he made Soleimani salsa. Yeah. Right. It's like the it's like the bad people in the world are like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park or the T-Rex, testing the they electric test the fence. fence. Yeah. They're testing the fence for weakness all the time. And what America does in the world informs what they do. Yeah. So when you're putting up dog shit statements that are incomprehensible and you you can't defend it and then having to delete it and other people are doing the same thing, it projects that weakness on the world. America doesn't have moral clarity. They don't know where they stand. I,
0: I, that's just a 100% right. That is a 100% right. And there's such a short window when something like this happens in the world, to do the right thing, to actually take clear-eyed action to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Because over time, these things, you get separated from the grotesque nature and the shocking nature of it all, and people begin deb- debating again, and there's other things that come up, and you've got domestic concerns that outweigh it. And, and it just it sort of just minimizes your ability to communicate to the outside world what it is that your country stands for and i think that's already passed like I, I i maybe not maybe maybe there's something the united states can do here in the short term that can can help sort of put this back into perspective but when you're doing barbecues and you're closing lids at noon on a monday I, what are you you're just saying it does not matter to you that's what you're saying it doesn't matter to you it doesn't matter to you That terrorist organizations that have wanted to destroy Israel, you, the United States and all of our allies and everything in the Western culture for since the beginning of time, that what they do when they do it doesn't matter to you anymore. That's what we've said right now. What other what 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 possible other message could you have received if you're sitting at Hamas HQ right now? Right. I mean, it's just it's really disappointing. And I, I, I hope we've got a bunch of presidential candidates here that can help communicate this in a way that our president clearly cannot currently. And we are limited in our ability to speak in a unified nature from a House of Representatives that is really the only other Republican mouthpiece. Well, one point.
1: final thing I would say on that, because like I don't want to discount some of the gripes that members of the conference have or, you know, some conservatives like a certain level of infighting is healthy i think for a political party and for our house majority and you know like max sort of alluded to it like he you know there's some stuff like deals that were made with steering committees and things like that and like there's always going to be a tension between leadership and rank and file right and you want the house to be as democratic and empowering as many of those rank and file members as you can without It distracting from the overall mission of the conference writ large and speaking with one voice and having effectiveness,
0: which up until last week, I thought they had done a terrific job.
1: So we got to get back to that as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. For all the reasons that Smug mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, listen, I think we ought to wrap it at that. We're going to play, we're going to play games. We're going to have fun. God willing, we'll have a speaker on Thursday's episode. So, I mean, look, we're gonna, This is not going to be a permanent basis here in the ruthless variety program. We're not laughing and having a good time, but uh, it's hard to have a good time when you've got all this going on in the world. I think we did it.
2: I think so. Uh, Thank you so much to the minions for listening uh i hope all of you are joining me in praying for the americans who are still uh taken hostage um so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the lives we'll see you on thursday stay ruthless